whenever I speak or do interviews like this, I always say, and people ask me like, oh, where did happier start from? I often say, well, it started in communist Russia and it's a weird place to start talking about happiness, right? Because I always say, <laughs> how many happy Russians do you know? Um, that's usually my laugh moment in a speech. Well, at but least one, right? At least, at least one, right. <laughs> You are listening to Louder Than Words, the podcast inspiring creatives of all types by giving you a glimpse into the lives and creative process of the most remarkable people you know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Louder Than Words. It's great yet again to have you here. I really appreciate it. Um, as I get to hang out with some of the most interesting, creative entrepreneurs really out there doing great work. So it's it's a pleasure for me to be here every day, and it's a pleasure for me to have you. So thanks for coming. Uh, today, though, most importantly, we're hanging out with Natalie Kogan, uh, founder of Happier, a wellness company on a mission to help millions of people live happier and healthier lives. It was founded in scientific research, and Happier's platform actually combines innovative bite-sized courses developed with leading wellness experts, mobile apps, and the most supportive community anywhere uh, to help people feel happier, more present, less stressed, more energetic, all of those things. More than 700,000 people have used Happier's mobile app and courses since it was launched in February of 2013. And Time actually named it one of the top 50 apps for 2013, the year it was launched. So that's really awesome. Natalie, I'm super psyched to finally have you on Louder Than Words. How are you? I'm awesome. What a great intro. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to do it justice. <laughs> Sounds like a great thing these guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I dig it. And so for every for everybody listening uh, that might not know the backstory, Natalie and I actually spoke like six months ago. Um, and uh, yeah, just um, she's, she's a very busy woman, uh, as you can imagine. And uh, I guess things just happen where... Uh, but hey, we're, we're able to connect now all these months later and finally have Natalie on Louder Than Words. So I'm super... Super pumped about that. Um, but with all that said and, and, and everything I just described about Happier, there's no way that I could do it any justice or, or describe it any better than you can, Natalie. So can you tell the listeners that may not know or have heard of Happier before today, what is Happier? Yeah, for sure. So um, as you said, you know, the, the way we describe the company, we say we're in the wellness space. But the way I usually describe it to friends or um, to people I meet, as I say, you know, we all go to the gym or some of us go to the gym to keep our bodies in good shape, right? We try to eat healthy to make sure that our nutrition is good and we're healthy. But what about our emotional well-being? And that's what happier is for. So we, you know, think of it as almost like a gym for your soul, I often say. Um, it's a place where we try to uh, create products and experiences and content and media that really help people understand, first of all, what um, genuine happiness is. And that's actually when people ask me what I consider one of the biggest parts of my job. And it's been a huge learning experience for me is really redefining what happiness means, because I know on my own experience, I had it very wrong for most of my life. And so it's a place where we help people get educated around what does it mean to actually feel genuinely happy. Uh, it turns out it's not uh, never feeling sad or upset or, or stressed. It's something quite different. And it's a place where we create 
things like our mobile app, uh, which you mentioned, which is now the largest gratitude sharing community in the world. We've had, you know, as you mentioned, more than 700,000 people use it. It's where people come and share small positive moments in their days, which science shows is the number one thing you can do to improve your well-being. Um, and it's a place where uh, through all of these experiences, through our products, through our apps, we truly help people connect with other other like-minded uh, people who are investing energy in their emotional well-being. I like living in a world where gratitude sharing is a thing. So that's that's great, right? Um, but to really understand, I think, the platform is to understand your backstory. Um, you were born in, in communist Russia, and uh, in 1989, your family actually escaped to the United States. So can you walk us through that whole experience and how that kind of helped helped uh, define what you're doing today. Yeah, and it's um, happy to, but it's always, um, whenever I, I speak or do interviews like this, I always say, and people ask me like, oh, where did happier start from? I often say, well, it started in communist Russia, and it's a weird place to start talking about happiness, right? Because I always say, <laughs> how many happy Russians do you know? Um, that's usually my laugh moment in a speech. Uh, at least one, right? At least, at one. least one, right. <laughs> so um, we did, I did grow up there and we, uh, you know, as you, you and your listeners may or may not know, Russia had kind of an official uh, program of persecution against Jews. So it was always kind of being second rate citizen and stuff like that. And my family, my parents and I escaped and got out in 89 and, uh, we first went to a refugee settlement in Austria and then to Italy, where we spent the next two and a half months um, proving the case to the American authorities that our lives were terrible and asking for refugee status. And it's funny when I say Austria, you know, Vienna, Italy, it sounds fabulous. Um, it was anything but, you know, we left, we were allowed to bring $200 per person and two suitcases per person. So that's it. So we had 600 bucks to our name six suitcases, no citizenship, and kind of no certainty ahead of us. So, you know, I often say I was 13. I have an 11-year-old daughter now, and I just, to this day, am in awe of what my parents did and the guts that it took to try to take that journey. Um, eventually, you know, it was really obviously a difficult time, but we were lucky. We were able to get permission to come to the United States uh, as refugees, and we came and landed. You know, I was waiting for the skyscrapers and the American dream, and we landed in the projects in this little town called Ypsilanti, which is outside of Detroit, uh, which we were grateful to have, you know, welfare and food stamps, but it was obviously not a very dreamy life. And I went to eighth grade at Scarlet Middle School, having, you know, had a couple of years of pretty bad English education because it was literary English. So basically I had, you know, no English, two outfits, was coming from the projects and was going into eighth grade. I think that's enough to terrify me even right now as I'm saying it. <laughs> um, boy, they had fun with me. So uh, that's how we landed in the U.S. And the way that Happier actually has its roots there is because, you know, I, I think it's obvious as I even I describe it quickly, it was a really difficult experience. It was really painful. Um, you know, as a teenager, I think anywhere you live, and if you even if you're in the same house where you've been for all your life, you know, you're trying to figure out who you are and, you know, in this big world. And here I was, you know, my parents couldn't help me, couldn't guide me. They were children themselves. They were learning English, trying to find jobs. And so I kind of was on my own figuring all this out. And it was it was really rough. And so I, I had all this pain, all this difficulty. And at some point, eventually, you know, we got out of the projects, my parents got jobs. And I remember I made a decision. I, it was almost like a conscious decision that I was going to become happy. 
And for me, it was a way, I think at the time, I didn't quite say it to me that way, but I didn't really know what to do with all this pain inside of me from this experience that we'd been on. So I was just going to run from it. And the way that I thought I could run from it is, hey, the American dream is to be happy. If I get happy, my parents will be happy. Everything will be fine. This whole thing will go away. And oh, I know exactly how to get there. You know, I'm going to be very successful. I'm going to achieve a lot of things, have a series of really incredible jobs, make a ton of money, and then take care of my family and buy anything I want, and then I'll be happy. And I say it now always with a smile on my face, except, you know, here I was, I was a teenager thinking this. I think, unfortunately, we still live in a world where many of us tend to put happiness as something that happens as the result of, say, achieving things or being successful or making money. And so I went on this, I call it my chase of the big happy. Uh, For the next 15 years, I had, you know, always obvious, you know, a goal-oriented achievement person, but I just went into overdrive. And, you know, I I guess by some measures, I became very successful. I graduated first in my class at Wesleyan. I went to McKinsey. I became a venture capitalist as a woman at the age of 23. Um, You know, for those in Boston, I was so grateful moment the other day, Constant Contact got sold for $1.1 billion. It was my first venture deal when they were a tiny, tiny, tiny. So, you know, I became a venture capitalist. I wrote books. I started companies. You know, I made, I had those jobs that made me so much money. I bought my parents a Mercedes and that was going to be the American dream. You know, I married my college sweetheart. We had a daughter. I made sure she had the most expensive stroller because that was going to make me happy. And quite seriously, right? You laugh, but you're right. I mean, the, the thing is, if we all pause and think about what we're chasing, we're often doing that chase. And then what happened was, you know, 15 years of doing this, and I just, I was exhausted. I mean, I was always running. I was living on kind of pure willpower. And I hit a wall. And the furthest place that where I got was happiness. I was on the opposite side of it. And I stumbled into research about happiness. You know, my father is a scientist. I'm always kind of looking, you know, I I have proclivity. I look for science stuff. And I stumbled into it and I just soaked it up like a sponge. And it was really hard to read, to be honest, because the stuff I was reading, none of it I was doing, right? So my first reaction was just this anger, like, look at how hard I've been working and I'm not happy. You know, you tell me gratitude is going to help me. This is ridiculous. But eventually I had to try it. And so I started just trying a lot of what I was reading about. You know, I started writing down three good things about every day. I started to make sure that every day I had a meaningful, kind interaction with another human being. You know, I was very allergic at the time to anything that sounded like meditation or yoga or even mindfulness. But I was like, okay, I can spend a couple minutes a day quietly, you know, because stillness and awareness really helps you be happier. So I started doing all these things. And the thing is, it didn't change who I was, right? I'm, you know, it's not like I became some happy-go-lucky person, but it really allowed me to develop this filter um, for all my thoughts. And like when I would go on these like cycles, you know, we go on these like stress loops or cycles where you start feeling stressed and you're anxious about feeling stressed and you're upset at yourself. So I was able to create this buffer where I would refocus my attention. I would, you know, this gratitude habit had built up, this idea that I was connected deeper and more meaningful way to people in my life had really created this buffer in me. And the effect was so powerful that I became passionate. Um, My daughter would tell you crazy passionate um, about creating a company that would inspire and help other people benefit in the same way that I had. And so that's how Happier was born. And at the time I had... um, I was working at PayPal because I was at a company called Ware here in Boston and we sold it to PayPal. And so I was working at PayPal and, you know, anyone who knows me, they know I'm not a big company person. And so 
I left my big secure job and raised some money and started happier. And so that's my story of how happier in this really crazy way started back in communist Russia or in a refugee camp in Vienna um, or in our projects in Ypsilanti after I got here. The least least expected place, right? That's right. Um, and during this whole process too, uh, sort of um, to make light of, of one one area that you like to bring up in your talks, um, you know, with this perception of the American dream, more so when you were a kid and, you know, after you had come here, you talk about your first American hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you she t- will forever <laughs> remain my first American hero. No one will ever top <laughs> Alyssa Milano. Ever. But not just Alyssa Milano, right? On Who is the Boss, uh, who right? Is the boss, so yeah. Sam on Who is the Boss, I mean, truly, 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 truly became my savior in the early days. You know, we, like I mentioned, we lived in, you know, pretty sucky conditions. We had this little apartment and I didn't have any friends. I mean, I didn't, it was hard for me to even like understand English. And so what I would do is I started to make myself. Um, really focus on English. So I would watch a lot of TV because I was lonely and TV is good to help you learn a language. So I would come home after school. I would get a box of Rice Krispies. Um, I don't know why I ate so many Rice Krispies. I think like, so we were getting food donated to us. And for whatever reason, there was always Rice Krispies. The crazy thing now is I cannot stand it. Like I cannot smell Rice Krispies because like the memories come back. And I would just get my cereal and I would turn the TV on and, you know, three o'clock, Charles in charge, 3.30, who's the boss? four o'clock, I think another who is the boss. And there was this Sam, there was this teenager who was happy and joyful and had friends. And she had these beautiful high top pink Jordache sneakers and a pink bedroom and everything was great. And my first desire, my first chase of happiness was to be like Sam. If I could just have a pair of those sneakers, if I could sound like her in English, and if I could have a pink bedroom, everything was going to be okay. And so I never got my Jordash. I mean, they were too expensive. My parents got me like a lookalikes at Payless, but they were pink high tops. Um, I did get a pink bedroom on my 16th birthday. My parents surprised me and painted my bedroom pink. And the only thing I don't know, I don't know if I sound like Alyssa Milano on Who is the Boss, but that was <laughs> absolutely my dream. That was my first way that I would know I'm happy is if I'm if I have those three things in my life back then. There you go, right? Alyssa Milano from Who's the Boss? That's right. Um, so, you know, you talk about how you kind of, you know, in your words, were allergic to like yes. mindfulness or yoga yes. and, and and many things um, like that. So what, what do you think, like, what was this aha wake-up call that all of a sudden took you from that person to somebody who was founding a company based around right. being more mindful of finding happy moments every day. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, somebody, there's a great quote somewhere, I keep meaning to write it down, but it's actually, um, to get it exactly right, so I'll paraphrase, but one of my favorite, and I'm about to use another word to which I used to be allergic, one of my kind of favorite spiritual teachers is Ram Das. Ram Das is actually, his name used to be Richard Alpert, he was a big famous Harvard professor whose father like founded Albert Einstein University. And then he had this big awakening, went to India, and is really one of the best-known um, spiritual teachers. He's been a big presence in my life the last couple of years, even though I've never met him. Um, and he has this really great quote, um, and it talks about suffering is the sandpaper on our way to joy. And that's my answer to how I stopped being allergic to things that I used to just always consider definitely not for me, is I I felt enough pain and enough uh, stress and, uh, you know, enough desperation, I guess, in my suffering, uh, to try things that I thought were definitely not for me, right? If you told me 
or I, if you told my family five years ago that I was going to start a happiness company, they would laugh. They would think it's a really funny joke. If you told them that I practice yoga and I meditate and I have spiritual teachers and I talk about spirituality and I, and I talk about mindfulness and awareness, you know, they would just be like, that's not our, that's not someone we know, you know. The anecdote I always tell, which really illustrates just the how stark a change this is for me and just from my background is, you know, my grandparents are still alive. And when I was starting Happier, I was at their apartment and I was telling them, I said, Grandma, Grandpa, you know, I'm leaving my job and I'm going to start this company. It's going to help people be happier. And my grandpa turns, you know, these are these incredible humans who I've known my whole life. And my grandpa turns to my grandma and just with a very serious, calm face, he says to her in Russian, he goes, um, what is wrong with her? Who in the world wants to be happier? How would this company ever work? Right? <laughs> That's where I come from. Where I come from, you know, the top values and goals are not to be happy or mindful or spiritual. It's to be smart and intelligent and to work hard and to have a good family and to take care of your family, right? And so this was, all these concepts were completely foreign to me. And I spent most of my life rejecting them truly like an allergy. You know, I remember I went to a yoga class. It was about, it had to be about 10 years ago in New York. And I meant to go to a Pilates class and it was canceled and I was already at the gym. So I went across the hall to a yoga class and I sat down and I don't remember exactly, but within the first few minutes, the teacher said something like, you know, tune into your breath inside. And I remember thinking, like, this is just ridiculous. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm going to pay money to sit here cross-legged, tuning into my breath. Like, how is that going to help me? So it is quite a drastic change for me. But the thing is, I guess I, I suffered enough without it. I suffered enough trying to catch happiness with achievements and success and really not the genuine kind of happiness that suffering was the sandpaper that got me to try all these things that I never expected someone would, like me would, uh, you know, make part of my life. And, you know, here I am preaching it to everybody I can find. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's great. And I'm, and I'm, and the funny thing is for me as well, like, you, you know, you were, you were not, not just today, but you know, you're brave enough to go around and, and share the story, right, with everybody yeah. and, and where you came from and, and the lifestyle that you had that didn't make you happy. It's th that alone is something that, you know, not a lot of people are willing to share. So, you know, I would like to share something of my own. So the, the, way, the way that I found happier. So in 2013, which is, which is pretty ironic seeing as uh, happier launched in February, but uh, of that year, but in March of 2013, I actually suffered a, a really personal tragic loss uh, when I lost at the time my girlfriend of five years uh, to a car accident. And, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And at the time, is... you know, I just was looking for empathy, right? Like just looking yeah. for people that understood. And um, a lot of people would hand me books, you know, books on grief mm -hmm. and books on suffering. And and I just, ha I hated that. Um, that, you know, I was looking for anything that could point me in the direction of like the little things in life that could still make you happy, right? So I found this book, uh, The Book of Awesome. And I, of course, I, I, I interviewed the author. Yeah, I think there's like Neil. two or three yeah. volumes. Yeah, great, right? And, and yeah, you, awesome. know, you know, like, and for any listeners, definitely check it out. Um, you know, it's it's great because it, it's, it's, it takes these seemingly mundane things that happen in everyday life and kind of spins it in a way that like, wow, that, that really is an awesome thing that happens every single day. And you kind of just take it for granted after a while. 
So I bought those books. Um, and then I found Happier somehow and throughout Google searches or whatever it was, um, found Happier. And I was like, my first reaction was, oh, God, another social network. Mm, um, yep. and, it, and, it, and it really wasn't. And it was, uh, it was something that I, I, I joined. And I remember my first post was about a new pair of shoes that I had bought. <laughs> and people I didn't even know had liked it. And then just like your feed was constantly uh, refilling every single day with these little tiny uh, positive wins or happy yeah. moments throughout people's day. And, and honestly, it was, it was refreshing to be like, you know, this, this is a reminder of the things that happen every single day that we may overlook. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it was definitely one of those things that helps, you know, and, uh, um, well, that's huge. Thank you. First of all, for sharing that. And I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't even imagine what that's like, but I so appreciate you sharing that. It's truly, I mean, happier I say, and I truly mean this. I mean, yes, we're a company Yes, we've raised a bunch of money, but it's, um, it's not really a company for me. It's my life. And as you said, I am a wide open book. It's completely, you know, it's my family, it's my life. And so it, it means a tremendous amount to me uh, to hear that it was able to, you know, be this however small or however meaningful, but a meaningful, um, positive difference in your life when you were going through something like that. For sure. It's, it, it provided perspective, which, which, um, which is it's hard to have, you know, during during tough times. And I'm I'm sure you could relate, and I'm sure most every single listener to this podcast can also relate too. Um, so it was it was definitely refreshing um, in, in that sense. Um, so you know, over the years, you know, it's 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 been a few years now. So what have you, you know, you've you've sort of you know you've dedicated your your life, your profession yeah. to this. What have you learned about? Happiness and the American dream because oh what, goodness, what's, what's how fascinating? much time do we have? I think this is gonna <laughs> we're gonna break every limit if you really want me to answer. No, I'm kidding. I well, can. I so can more, yeah. This. So more specifically, I guess you know, coming from coming from Russia, I'm sure there was a perception of the American dream, and you know, you had this perception, right? That you you had uh, an ensuing chase uh, for a while that left you feeling not happy. So what has has the American dream changed for you and in what way? Yeah, it's an awesome, awesome question. Um, and actually, I congratulate. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Um, but the funny <laughs> thing, and also as a return, as a fun little um, just tidbit to share with you. So I'm working on a book. Um, it's the first happier book. There'll probably be a series, but I'm working on the first one. We're about to get it into you know, at least a draft form. And awesome. it's, it's my story. Um, and it's what I've learned. And the reason I just meant to mention it is because um, one of the things I talk about uh, is just the evolution that my American dream has gone through. And so, you know, obviously, I was young, when I came here. And if you ask my daughter, she'll tell you, she's not sure I ever grew up. Um, which I appreciate and take as a compliment. But <laughs> I think for me, and truly this has been, you know, and there's, you know, in a short podcast, it's hard to talk about all this. I have gone through obviously just a lot of changes since coming here, but a happier turn, you know, I, th I knew I was going on a roller coaster journey with happier because I've done startups before I've invested in them. I've started them. I know how brutal and what a crazy journey that is. But what happier ended up being for me is this actually a huge personal journey. Um, you know, I, to keep it quite short, you know, I thought I'd hit a dark spot before happier, which is how I got to the science of happiness. I started the company, but uh, about a year ago, actually, uh, I think just 
what had happened is when I started the company, in many ways, I stopped practicing what I was preaching just because, you know, I had the startup and on top of being the CEO, I was also the brand and the voice. And I just, I kind of lost touch with everything. That was one part of it. And the other part of it, and this is getting to it, really what I've understood and what I've happier has been a gift to me. And now what is a big part of my American dream is I, I, I realized, and this is a lot of what the book is going to be about, that um, the happiness science, you know, positive psychology and everything, it gets so many things right. But I almost feel like I didn't go far enough. And so it was very easy for me. It was is very easy for me for those habits to break. And so about a year ago, I got to a very, very difficult place. And, you know, on the outside, I was a CEO of a happiness company. I was doing interviews with the Wall Street Journal and all this stuff. And on the inside, I mean, frankly, I, you know, I didn't quite want to get out of bed in the morning. And what I had to do to get out of that space is not just go back to everything that we started happier with, but a lot deeper. And this gets me to my American dream, which is what I discovered in this whole process is what I believe my true purpose is. And as crazy as it sounds, my true purpose is to share my story and my experiences and my trials and tribulations with finding genuine, unconditional happiness with as many people as I can find. And I could never tell you, I mean, for in a million years that when you ask me what my current American dream is that, you know, that I'm realizing it. Um, but it is that, you know, I think our purpose, we all have a purpose. I say we all have a purpose. We all have a gift. Uh, we're lucky if we ever realize what it is. And it may not be what we expect. And getting there may be really hard. And I know I've experienced this. But I truly, genuinely feel that for the first time in my life, I am living my American dream, which to me, the dream part of living in America is that we can all do what we can all pursue our purpose. There's absolute freedom to pursue what you believe your purpose is. And for the first time in my life, I genuinely feel I'm doing that. And that's priceless. That's the best American dream I could imagine. And doing it very well. Yeah. And so from a, from a, a more business perspective, uh, yeah. what, kind, what kind of adoption have you seen with Happier as the years have gone on? Um, how, how is the company? Yeah, so the company is great. You know, it's been really interesting, you know, and it's a startup, right? So things have worked, things haven't. And we actually are going through a, a, well, I don't know if it's a dramatic transition, but we're introducing a lot of new things, a lot of revenue generating products. You know, our thesis was, let's start with a community, let's test out the gratitude concept. We did that, it worked very well, it fundamentally changes people's lives, which is pretty amazing, something as simple as, you know, a gratitude habit, but we saw it, the feedback was overwhelming. Then we introduced our mini courses. We now have 15 in the portfolio and I teach some. We've done some with meditation experts, with yoga. We did a series with Deepak Chopra, which is pretty awesome. Um, and those are meant to be kind of like a mini coach in your pocket, uh, bite-sized kind of almost like really mini reminders of what happier teaches for you to dive in a little deeper. And the big thing that we've heard from our community over the years is, you know, people would like more guidance, right? It's not, um, it may seem, you know, all of us want to be happier. It means different things for so many of us, but it, it's not something that's, you know, oh, just we all know how to do. It's actually in a world that we live in and the complicated lives we lead, it's actually something that we need to work towards. You know, I often say when I speak, I say, guys, I have good news and bad news about happiness, genuine, unconditional happiness, which is the, the thing that we try to focus on. 
I said, the good news is there's never been a study that has identified any group of people who is not able to improve their well-being. The, the bad news or the difficult news is like anything meaningful, this requires work and commitment and practice, ongoing practice, which leads me to kind of the big things that we've been working on for the last six months is we're starting to introduce um, some more products and experiences, which you know, are going, it's a continuum of how much work, how much commitment we're asking from you. So from a, you know, a social network around gratitude, which there's no commitment, there's just as much as you want to do, to these mini learning experiences. And now we're about to start testing um, uh, a pretty uh, involved program called Nutrition for Your Soul. And it's a program that I lead and that I've developed based on the foundation of positive psychology and science and happiness, but also a lot of the Eastern traditions and meditation and yoga and spirituality and just a program essentially that I put myself on to, as I say, save my soul and truly become happier. So we're introducing that. It's going to be available in different formats. There's going to be a format where you actually get one-on-one -on -one time with me. There'll be group formats. Eventually, we're taking that to the corporate market. Uh, we've had tremendous amount of demand from the corporate. You know, I do, I've been invited, I've been very lucky to be invited to speak quite a bit. And there's always this, oh, that was amazing. And now what's the leave behind, right? So we're developing this program to go to them to the corporate market. So that's a big uh, new development area for the company. And then, as I said, we're investing more in media. There'll be a series of books. I'm spending more of my time uh, speaking, and again, not just as a one-off speaking engagement, but to really create this almost like a training program that we can take to companies, allow health insurance companies to bring to others, and allow people to participate you know, on their own. That's great. That's a lot of exciting stuff. I, I can't wait to see where where the whole platform goes from here. And 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 definitely uh, for the listeners, check it out if you haven't. Um, for many people, this may be the first time you're hearing about Happier. And, and definitely check it out. Very unique, very helpful um, platform and community. And, and I think it'd be happy that yeah, <laughs> pun intended. I think it'd be pun happy intended. That you, <laughs> I, it. I think it'd be happy that you check uh, checked it out. Um, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. Um, and for everyone listening, definitely check uh, check out her her TED talk. Um, uh, but she where she gets uh, into more specifics around you know her time in in Russia and, and the whole uh, transition to to life here and uh, to a happy life here. So, Natalie, right. thank you so much. Well, thank for coming you so much here. for having me. It's been really really great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. And be sure to share, like, and all those great things. And tune in next time because we'll have more great guests. So long, everyone.